since I forgot to post the last episode, but uh, we're back talking about spring, any storyline coming out of spring, um, spring games, whatever, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so do any reigning champs go first? What are some storylines? The whole defense got drafted seemingly in the first round of the NFL drafts. Yeah. Um, so. Eight of those guys on the defense ended up getting drafted. Um, it's pretty crazy. Um, a couple transferred. So, I mean, the whole defense is going to be – there's a couple guys with experience um, coming back. Uh, there's going to be a lot of young guys. It's going to be it's gonna be interesting. Um, Who's coming um, back from, like, Nolan Smith? Was he, was he a starter? Yeah. Um, Keely no. Ringo? Yeah, and uh, Jalen Carter. Uh, they're all bums, anyways. <laughs> and then uh, Tyke Smith um, was coming back. He was a transfer from West Virginia last year. He was going to start at strong safety, but he's tore his ACL when he came to UGA. So, um, He'll be starting in the back end now, and he's healthy. And then we got um, – my mind just went blank on uh, – we have another linebacker coming back. Um, High trash. Anyway, um, yeah, the interior linebackers are going to be young, uh, sophomore, redshirt freshman. Probably. Um, we're, gonna, we're looking for a new corner. Um, but rumor has it they're um, going to move Jordan Poole out there and see how he does at corner. Um, he was the guy that I kind of pooped on a little bit in the SEC championship game, and he turned it around in the night. He had a really good game um, in safety. But yeah, they're they're gonna move. They're thinking about moving him to a corner just for experience purposes. And uh, and since Tyke's coming back, um, so yeah, the defense is gonna be gonna be different for sure. Not gonna be terrible, but not gonna be as dominant. Because I mean, any anything is gonna be worse than that. Well, yeah, I was about to say I mean, last year. I mean, that was one it, of the best. It may never ever. be. It may never be on par. With no, last year, I don't, I don't know if we'll ever see a defense like that again. Um, so it was a pretty special year, but uh, I'll yeah. just go Texas AM a few years to buy another another few recruiting classes and we'll see it. They'll still go eight and four, dude. <laughs> Probably, yeah, they'll be the um, best eight and four defense. Facts. Yeah, we got a uh, got a couple new coaches 
uh, offensive line coach um, from North Carolina. Um, he seems to do pretty well. We got BMAC, Ryan McClendon from Carolina. Also had a little stint at Oregon. Um, apparently, the guys are really liking him and the energy he's bringing. Um, had to get a new outside linebackers coach because Dan Laning obviously went to Oregon uh, to be the head coach. So we're bringing, bringing some more pieces together. Um, and promoted Will Muschamp. <laughs> promoted? Not yet. Any Cody DC? Yeah, he's Cody DC. With yeah, that's Schumann. promoted. Yeah. He was kind of already. Cody he was an DC, analyst, to be honest. Wasn't he? Or a special I mean, teams yeah, coordinator an, or whatever? Analyst. Yeah. Analyst. Quotations. But um, yeah, going back to BMAC, he's, he's a good receivers coach, but we tried to put him at offensive coordinator and he was not the guy for the job. But I think he's a pretty good receivers coach. So just keep him there. Yeah. Um, spring, uh, the spring game was, uh, interesting. Um, you saw, I like to, I like to go to those games and just watch the young guys, uh, play because you never get to see them that much if they're not raw, because if they're raw, they're going to be, you know, playing in the middle of the season. So, um, quarterback situation, you know, Stetson's definitely still a guy. Uh, yeah. Still not a fan of Carson Beck, but others appear to like him. Um, Brock, uh, he made a couple of good throws, but he is not turning into the prospect that people were hoping. Um, he just didn't look that good at all in the spring game. But it is spring game, so, like, you can't really. But at the same time, it's the first time I've been able to see him. He wasn't all that special. I mean, it's your second year in the in the program. You should, you know, have an upwards trend. But it seems that that's not the case. Um, Gunner was only in for a couple throws, uh, mostly handed the ball off. Um, but I like what he brings. You know, he kind of has – I told y'all earlier, he kind of has a swagger about him. Um, I expect him to make a run for the starting job next year after Stetson leaves. Um, yeah, he seems yeah. like a gamer. Yeah, he does. He does seem like a gamer. I'm excited for it. Um, running back situation, um, running back receivers and tight ends. I mean, it's all right now because it's in the spring. Everyone's healthy, so it looks good. But those rooms have had a lot of trouble uh, with injuries the past two years, which has really hurt. Um, with the running backs, I mean, Kendall Milton is a really good runner. He, he only played seven games his freshman year and eight sophomore year. He was hurt. Both, he got hurt both years. So if he can stay healthy, he'll be, he'll be primed to have a good year. But, you know, that's a big if because he's been hurt ever since he came to Georgia. So – um, Kenny McIntosh is going to blow up as well this year. Um, out of the catching the ball out of the backfield, not really running it. Um, and then Dejon Edwards, who not a lot of people know about because he's been buried, buried in the depth chart um, since he got here. He was still a four-star running back out of high school, um, but they're saying he's probably the hardest runner on the team, and he does run the ball hard. So. Um, I expect him to get a little more carries this year as well. Um, wide receiver room, 
same guys coming back. Um, Donnie Mitchell, Lavin Conkey, um, Blaylock is finally healthy, actually getting meaningful reps, getting contact. So that's promising. He He's probably going to play a lot if he's a full go um, by the time August comes around. Tight end room, I mean, y'all know the deal with that. It's the best in the country. Um, Brock Bowers, 13 touchdowns as a true freshman. Um, that's most by any receiver in UGA history in one year, and he did it as a freshman. So I can't wait for see him out there again. Darnell Washington didn't end up transferring after the rumors. Um, he's more of an inline tight end because of his size. Um, and he actually is a pretty good blocker, but he can also catch and run an open space a little bit. So I expect um, Munkin to run a lot of 12 personnel this year. Always had two times. Got to. Um, I mean, because you got to read Gilbert. Y'all might want to run 13 personnel. Yeah, you got to read well, Gilbert. And then even, might, even yeah. Oscar Delp, I, I watched a little bit of the spring game, and even he looked pretty good. Yeah, he, he looked running, good. Running through some, I, don't know what, I don't know what team, what defense he was going up against when he was in the game, but he looked pretty good on a couple yeah. catches. So. He looks good. Reed Gilbert, I mean, he displayed his talent in the spring game, and he wasn't even – you know, fully conditioned yet. I mean, he still has to lose probably 10, 15 pounds and get in better shape. I mean, he came in at 300, <laughs> and now he's down to like 270, I think. Um, Bro, that but, is so big. Why? How did yeah. he get so big? Because he wasn't doing anything last year, bro. Like, I don't nothing. do anything, and I'm not 300 pounds. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. You're also not 6'5". I mean, that's true. That's um, true. That's crazy though. But yeah, he he's gonna he's gonna bust it open too. So I mean the passing attack is gonna be great. Um say that it's just it's just that's an um if he can, you know, keep the ball in safe hands, we'll be good on the offensive Save that. Side of the ball. Yeah. Uh, offensive line, um, you got three three starters coming back, or really four. Um, because uh, Tate Rylage he got hurt in the Clemson game. He was a starter at right guard. So, um, offense is looking good. Defense, not so much. Um, just because of lost so much inexperience. I don't know if it necessarily doesn't look good, but it's just unknown right now. Yeah, I mean, we won't we won't know until the first game. (laughs) Because I mean, probably won't really know until like three or four games in. Yeah. Probably till but, y'all got probably till y'all got y'all get beat by South Carolina. Yeah, for sure. Um but yeah, I mean in the, the first team D in the spring game was kind of atrocious uh a little bit in the passing defense, but I expected that because those young linebackers probably don't understand a lot of the stuff Monkey was throwing at them. So um, and you got must champ coaching them now, so it's tough. <laughs> yeah. Defense line also is going to be interesting because we have guys that – we know Jalen Carter, what he can do, but he's going to get double teamed a lot because he's the best player on that defense now. That's okay. Um, He'll win. And so He can win against two. Three is where you need to be concerned. 
Yeah, another guy's going to have to step up. Um, and I'm interested to see who it's going to be. So, I mean, that's about it regarding, you know, everything in spring. Um, and every, everything looks good now. It's towards the end it of the summer. Does. Towards it the end of the does. summer, things start to change a little bit. Yeah. Well, I guess we can uh, we can hop over to Clemson then. We'll kind of get on the tier list of teams, I guess. Hmm. I don't know if I'd go that far. Well, Davini Georgia's <laughs> offense looks good. Defense not so much. We're probably the exact opposite. Um, I mean, we know we know why. Uh, offensive line and quarterback, biggest two issues we have to address. Uh, the offensive line is going to look a little bit different. Uh, Will Putnam, who's our right guard, starting right guard the last two years, has moved over to center. Um, I mean, so far it sounds like it's gone better than expected. Um, they say he's he's done really well as far as snapping the ball, calling all the different protections and uh, linebacker IDs, stuff like that. Uh, they feel pretty comfortable with him there. The only problem is, is that now now we have a center, but we don't have a right guard anymore. Um, so there's there's Mitchell Mays. It's a junior, redshirt sophomore, and then you have uh, Dietrich Pennington, a guy that came in as a high three-star freshman last year and came in in the summer. And, I mean, they were talking about how he was going to play like – you know, not going to be a starter, but be a significant kind of backup depth guy for the offensive line that would rotate in. Um, and then four snaps into the season against South Carolina State, and he tears his ACL. Um, so we're hoping that, you know, he'll be back to form, and him and Mitchell Mays will probably be the two guys competing for most of the playing time at right guard. To be honest with you, I, I kind of see those guys splitting it, but obviously we'll go uh, Jordan McFadden, um, and then Marcus Tate at left guard, uh, Will Putnam in the middle. Um, and then those two guys at right guard and right tackle is pretty much locked up with Walker Park. So it's, I think last year it was just sort of a revolving door, but we saw the last six games, we got a lot more consistent once we started having, you know, a consistent front five. Uh, so hopefully we can just keep everybody healthy and, and bring some guys along. Um, but then obviously the most, I think the most uh, pressing issue is that quarterback. Because uh, you, I don't think there's any way in hell DJ doesn't start the year as a starter. Um, I just don't know if there's anything he can do between now and um, Labor Day to lose it. And I certainly don't know if Cade Klubnick is going to do enough to take it if Trevor Lawrence couldn't do it. Um, so I don't expect that DJ is going to have a very long leash, but um, we're going to see. And I think that's probably the most interesting part of the entire summer is because Klubnick's got to put on weight. Uh, they like his ability to run, but obviously when you're 180 pounds soaking wet, it's not exactly, you know, the body type of physique you want to have running around out there. Very similar to Deshaun Watson when he first got there in the sense that he's athletic enough to where he can give you something, but you can't run him out there and get it killed. Um, but, I mean, the, through the spring, the real storyline is the fact that DJ's, he just hasn't had enough time to really progress in terms of footwork or mechanics, and then that club neck is – I mean, he has good days and bad days, but I think it's pretty clear that he's not ready because he just he just puts the ball um, in the defense's hands way too much. The processing speed is just not there. Um, but a counterpoint would be that DJ probably does the same shit. Um, we saw him do it a lot last year. Um, so I think that's that's the biggest thing is DJ's – I mean, he's lost a lot of weight. Like I said, you know, between 
December 29th when we last played. And right now, there just hasn't been enough time for a lot of the incremental improvements that you hope to see to really take root yet. Um, and honestly, I think that was the main takeaway from the spring game is the fact that there's not a whole lot to take away to begin with. But DJ looked exactly the way he did all of last season. Yeah, he did. Uh, obviously, Sid and I sat there and watched it together. You know, the footwork, not not getting your shoulders squared to the target, just flying open. You know, I mean, on the one hand, you can say timing might be off because he's got a bunch of walk-on receivers out there running routes. But at the same time, when you miss him by 15 feet, I don't know who's going to catch that ball. Um, it just so, again, it's not, it just looks weird sometimes. Like it's not every throw either. It's just sometimes it's just it looks so out of whack. It's like what are you what are you doing, bro? And right, then he'll come and back and throw a good ball, but it's like I don't know. And that's what's so so infuriating about it is that you see it. I mean, every couple of drives he'll make a throw, and you're like, oh my god, they're okay. Here we go. If he could just get in a, gr- a good groove, but. The only rhythm he has is being out of a rhythm. Um, so, again, I don't think the leash is going to be very long on him. Um, but as far as the spring game is concerned, I mean, we were missing so many guys, that, you know, off the line, receiver, and even running back. I mean, obviously Shipley and Pace were out. Phil Moffitt was the only scholarship back we had. Um, and thank God that it was two-hand touching the quarterback. So they both would have died. I mean, it was like the floodgate <laughs> lose every single snap. Um, and while Clubman was a whole hell of a lot more efficient um, and did use the middle of the field, threw across to tight end Jake Bringstool quite a bit, I think the fact that he doesn't have a complete cannon and there were a couple of plays where defense probably should have picked it or guys a step behind the ball, um, just little things like that timing-wise that, you know, kind of make you, make you nervous. Um, but like I said, I don't know if there's a whole lot to take away from the spring game just because you have so many guys out. Hell, the ACC Network only broadcasted the first half and they cut it off because it was just I – mean, I don't know why they did that, but it was a piss-poor excuse of a game, so I'm not really upset that they did. But, I mean, that's really the main thing coming out of the spring. The defense is going to be absolutely ridiculous. Uh, just the depth, the defensive tackle, you know, with K.J. Henry and Xavier Thomas coming back at defensive end, we've got – We've got depth there. Linebackers are going to be a lot faster, um, albeit a little more inexperienced, probably similar to Georgia, where you've got some, you know, some freaks out there and you just got to let them play. Um, you expect the mistakes, but it's, it's definitely going to be different than Skalski and Spectre. Uh, what you lack in instincts, you're probably going to make up for by just being more athletic than the other guy, which is cool sometimes. Um, then the secondary, I mean, we're, we're thin at corner, but they talk about Nate Wiggins is, you know, going to be the next one in that lineage of uh, cornerback Mike, Mike Reed's putting in the NFL. They really like where he's going. Um, you know, NASCAR Fred Davis is probably going to be uh, number two. They like Coriano Pride, the freshman. And then obviously a safety, you got Andrew McCuba, who can clean up a lot of the mistakes. And McCuba can, you know, slide down and play nickel with, with Malcolm Green. So, Defensively, I'm not worried about it. It, it. it scares me how similar the the team is set up to last year. Um, Am I crazy, or did I did I see Makuba play a little bit of corner in the spring game too, or was that just yeah he did a depth thing? He did. He did. I think it was part of it was the fact that obviously we don't we don't have a ton of corners, um, but the other thing is that I mean he played corner last spring, like during camp last year they put him at corner some, so he's he's mixed around. He can play it. Obviously, you you'd rather have him at safety. Um, but in a pinch and in certain personnel packages, it might, you know, 
you might be able to move him to corner and, and bring somebody else in at safety. Um, but we'll see. Like I said, I think the defense is going to be fine. It's just a matter of if we can score enough points to keep them from having to pitch a shutout like they did a lot of the time last year. Um, but the only other thing I got is the fact that how Davinia was talking about how Georgia's going to get in 12 personnel a lot. I think we're going to continue to do that like we saw at the end of last year, regardless of who the quarterback is. I think when you have Davis Allen and, and Brenning Stool on the field, I mean, given what we got at receiver, which is a whole lot of guys that are, you know, came in with hype and have not really proven themselves a ton. Um, I mean, Ngata is really the only one that you've seen do it. And he's just got to stay healthy. Um, I think that's, that's a takeaway again. Everybody's got to stay healthy because last year was just so bad with injuries and, you know, bad luck, guys getting nicked up at the worst possible time. So we'll see. But like always, I mean, it's usually sunshine and roses coming out of the spring, but I think I think we're all a little pessimistic um, as to what we're going to see from, from DJ and the offense as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Defense is going to be stout, or at least that defensive line. Yeah, two future first-rounders. I mean, I'd like to think so. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, you <laughs> never know with the draft – nowadays but they should be first rounders yeah Murphy they, and Brissy, it's I'd put my money on them I think Trenton Simpson if he if he has the kind of year that I think he's capable of having playing inside linebacker as athletic as he is hell he might be a kind of a fringe first round type of guy too yeah we'll see I mean if you test well you can go you can be the number one pick all that matters baby <laughs> All right, well. Run fast, jump high. Yeah, for Get real. Get paid. Yeah, take your pads off and run fast. Um. <laughs> All right, moving on. Sid, you want to you wanna talk about Georgia Tech? Yeah, that's cool. I'll go. Um, so, first off, I guess I'll just talk about the portal since we've been uh, hella active in the portal. I'm trying to add some keys. Do what? Portal keys. Hey, I mean – in the spot where we got to use it. So I'm not opposed, um, especially on the D line. We've been pretty active. We've gone for, um, or we actually brought in Morris Joseph Jr. from Memphis. I think I mentioned that in the last podcast that may not have gotten posted. I don't remember, but uh, I remember talking about it, but um, he was really productive at Memphis, um, had a good year this past year. And then the year before, um, good at getting to the quarterback, uh, just a solid presence that we need up front. And then we recently added Solomon Bird from uh, Wyoming, who also had a really good year last year, um, was pretty productive. Um, he, I think he played about 850 snaps or so last year for Wyoming. So he's got a lot of time under his belt, had like 60 quarterback pressures, 10 sacks. Um, so he can kind of get after it and kind of help bolster the defensive end spot that um, it's gotten kind of thin with the departure of Jordan Dominic um, and Jared big? Ivy. Do what? Is is Bird a big guy? I don't know yeah, if I've he, heard of him. Yeah, he's he's pretty big. Um, he uh, he sat out the COVID pandemic in 2020, but he played in 2019 and 2021. Um, yeah, he's a pretty big dude. But uh, 
defensive end kind of got thin. We didn't take one in the class last year, so I knew that was kind of one of the positions we were going to target. And um, I think we felt like we got the most production out of – or he uh, was one of the best options, had the most production last year. And to go along with Keon Light, I mean, that we brought in last year, but he broke his leg and never really was healthy enough to play. So um, I think those will be your two starting defensive ends for now. Um, we also brought in two players from Auburn, defensive back Eric Reed Jr. He was a former Rivals 250 guy. Um, and then uh, Amari, um, Amari, why is his name slipping my keys? Uh, Amari Harvey, sorry. Uh, both of them from Auburn, both in the secondary. And then recently we added Corey Robinson from uh, from Kansas, offensive lineman. Um, not really a guy that's going to come in and start, be an immediate impact, but kind of a guy that I think Brent thinks he can develop, but also gives us a little depth. I think I've mentioned in the past that on the offensive line especially, like and our starters weren't good to begin with, but once it got past them, I mean, it was just desperation mode. like it was just bad. So um, the starting offensive line is, is much better from where we were last year with adding um, Paul Tio and um, wow, dude, names are just right now. Uh, it happens. Pierce Quick. Pierce Quick. Yeah. That's what I was going for. The quick, I had Quick, but I couldn't go. I couldn't remember if it was his brother or if it was Pierce, but um, yeah. So adding those two, um, into the offensive line, we'll have Jordan Williams on uh, right tackle. Um, it'll be um, – I think we'll add a left tackle if one's available, kind of be best available thing. And then Wesley Franklin, who got some time – or Weston Franklin, who got some time last year at center, is going to be our starting center. So offensive line should be better, and um, I think we're just trying to build depth there. So we kind of be best available. If we can take a left tackle, we definitely will. Um, so I really think the most shaky position on offense is going to be wide receiver room. It's kind of like, where does the production come from? Um, we'll, get Leo, we'll get Leo Blackburn healthy. Um, so I'm interested to see what, what, what the plan is for him. I know uh, Long's offense uses a lot of tight end, a lot of slot receiver. Um, hey, y'all might, might get EJ Jenkins from South Carolina. What do you mean? I saw he got offered by y'all today. I must have missed that one. I mean, he's six. Uh, he's he's a good player. He's not a tight end. He doesn't he doesn't block like a tight end, but he's he's a good player. Um, I have not. I did not have time to get called up today. I saw a couple things about new offers being out, but um, yeah. So I mean, I, mean, I guess that could be an option down the road. Um. Hopefully, Leo Blackburn, I'm interested to see if we move him at tight end or if we just kind of play him in the slot, how we play him. Um, but for receiver-wise, I think James Blackstrain is kind of a guy that could potentially be a dark horse. See, I got Blackburn and Blackstrain. <laughs> yeah. And Leo is the, the freak Blackburn. He's like 6'5". Um, they said he's out there just mossing people. Then he tore his ACL. But he said he's healthy kind of did some limited action in spring. I think they really want to kind of want to save him for the summer and fall and work him back into it. And then if we can get Avery Boyd healthy, I think he'd be a key guy that can, we can get some production out of. He's just super fast. Um, just has been a, another guy that 
came in as a freshman, looked good in his limited time, and then towards ACL. So uh, kind of had some bad luck there. At the slot receiver, I think with Malik Rutherford, Jamal Haynes, they both looked good in the spring game. Um, just quick, shifty guys. Uh, I think we're going to use the hell out of them, try to get them the ball. So, and then add in Nate McCollum on top of that, who we've seen, we know we can get production from him. So it's really just going to be about finding, you know, I, I, if it'll be, a, I don't know if it'll be like a committee type thing or if you'll have one guy take up and, or one or two guys really step up and get that main production and we can, you know, get something yeah, out of it. You got to hope that's Blackburn that just kind of steps up and does what he's projected to do. Absolutely. I, I The hype from him, I mean, it was really unfortunate we didn't get to see him last year, but they were talking about he's the best receiver we've had on campus since Calvin Johnson from what he looked like as a freshman. That says a lot because, I mean, we had Demarius Thomas. Um, he, I mean, yeah, RIP. Um, I mean, even guys like Stephen Hill, who had a short stint in the NFL, but was just a kind of a freak. DeAndre Smelter, now Darren Waller. I mean, four seven eight, just, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the uh, the drug addict from Georgia Tech, Darren Waller. Um, that's that's their favorite go-to saying for him. So. Yeah, the former junkie. Yeah, the former <laughs> the former junkie. So uh, I, I need a free base of cocaine behind the stadium. <laughs> for them to say that about Leo, it, it, it says a lot. So I hope we actually get to see that. Um, I hope he recovers from that ACL fully and we can get that production out of him. I think Long, Chip Long is good at getting his guys, his, his playmakers, the ball. Uh, he finds a way to do that. I think that's something we didn't do all that well. We didn't, not that we had a bunch of playmakers, but. We didn't find a way to get them in space and get them the ball and get production out of them. So I'm excited to see I that. I can think of one, though. Yeah. Yeah, him gone. RIP. RIP. Uh, yeah. The name will be unspoken. <laughs> well, just future Heisman contender, contender for next year. That's all we'll say, um, unfortunately. But – anyway, so that, I mean, that kind of segues into my next point about the running back room. Is It's kind of like – yeah, we lost, you know, you know who, but <laughs> it, Dante was one of those guys that you're like, if if we didn't have, you know, two guys ahead of him, he would pro- might be an all ACC back. Like the dude just is so explosive. Um, the pod as well. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh, gives us some love on uh, Twitter after we gave him some love for his play. And I think it was against Louisville. Um, but just one of those guys. I got. To, I told Sam. I didn't think it was that bold to say it, but like outside of Clemson's running backs, I literally think Dante might. I think he could start anywhere in the ACC. And that was, and he was third string last year. So I really have no problem him being your your go to back. Um, I'm interested to see what his production's like. Him being the every down back. We also added in Hassan Hall, which we know that boy can roll. Um, that he's built for speed. And then we just added Dylan McDuffie. He was a thousand yard back from Buffalo and had a relationship with Mike Daniels, their new running back coach there. And then he hit the portal and we needed the depth. So it's kind of a good pickup. That way we can, we don't have to rely on Antonio Gibson who uh, is recovering from an injury as a freshman and he's kind of out of shape and stuff. So we can just give him a little bit more time. 
So running back room, I'm, I'm completely fine with. Once again, it really sucks to lose um, who we lost, but I think, <laughs> I, I think we can, uh, I think we can go on. So are we um, going to go all year without saying that name? I don't think I can say his name on the podcast. You know, like I'm still a fan. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm rooting for him to win the Heisman and I'm obviously rooting for him to snap against Georgia next year, but, <laughs> but I just, I, it, I can't say his name right now. Uh, yeah. Well, you, well, just you, if you know, you know. You know, you know. If you know, well, John you know. Doe. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess moving to the defensive side of the ball, um, the secondary kind of has more talent, addition by subtraction, really. And I hate to say it, even though you know both guys, one got drafted and one signed an undrafted free agent deal but we lost our two safeties that really just kind of bothered the hell out of me I don't really know what the deal was but um hopefully it was just coaching because um now we've got some younger guys we got LaMiles Brooks um and we've got uh like Zamari Miles Sims Caleb Edwards is another young guy that looked really good last year as a true freshman was kind of one of those guys that just did everything in high school and he played nickel. He played safety. Um, played even a little corner last year. So excited to see him kind of take the next step. And then adding in Amari Harvey and Eric Reed, like see what those guys can do. And then Kenyatta Watson is finally healthy, had a good spring, and actually looked probably the best out of all the secondary uh, guys in the spring game. Um, so I think the secondary being under one coach with uh, Tillman. I, I think it's going to be much better. Everybody looked on the same page. Uh, it just didn't seem like a madhouse out there on the field. People running around not knowing where the hell they're going and shit like that. So I, I think that the secondary room can only go up. Uh, the stats can only get better because it was that bad. So I, if you were middle of the road last year at worst, you win three more games than you won. But we were so bad, like we were bottom of the barrel. So um, – for linebacker, we get Tyson McGuess back from torn ACL. Um, should, looks like an absolute freak. Can really run. Kind of one of those more athletic-looking linebackers. Um, I've been itching to see him play, but got hurt. And then we get Contavian Franks back. Whatever was going on with his family ordeal, he's back. And uh, then we'll have, obviously, Trenelius Tatum in his second year with a lot, we'll be getting a lot more playing time. And he, he really, like he came in as a freshman looking above his age, but this past off season and in spring, like this spring, he looked like a dude. So um, I'm rooting for him. Yeah. See, I figured, I didn't know if you would be rooting for him or not considering he, he flipped, but um, I mean, hell no, no he, he flipped to one of the good guys though. Yeah, that, that works. That's true. I can, I can, I can get with that. I kind of had the same feeling. Um, but – and then, obviously, we add Ace back. I don't really want to talk about Ace. But um, hopefully, again, it was just linebacker coaching. I don't know. Probably not. And then uh, Charlie Thomas. So Probably not. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then Charlie Thomas, I mean, he's probably been your best player on defense consistently over the last couple of years. Um Played really good towards the beginning of last year before he got dinged up. So good to have him back, kind of that veteran presence. Um, and then defensive line, like I said, we added two guys in the portal, um, two big freshmen, big dudes. 
Um, and then, you know, you got uh, transferred from South Carolina last year. So the while we lost Lockhart, um, you still have Daquan Dows. Um, so I think up front in the middle, we have a chance to be better. We now have David Turner, the old Florida defensive line coach, after Coleman left for Michigan State, after we traded coaches with Michigan State. You know, they sent their secondary coach. We sent our defensive line coach. Um, so uh, his recruiting has been pretty good so far, um, and the guys seem to like him. So excited to see what defensive line is like along with Larry Knight who's probably one of our best assistant coaches coaching the guys on the outside so I think defensive line we can get more production and like I mentioned earlier Keon White like we keep hearing he probably looks like the freakiest dude we've had on campus in a while but he broke his leg working out on his own because he wasn't in school and couldn't work out with the team and then last year he just never got healthy and then when he's on the field the last game he just he just did not look healthy he was hobbling around and shit so who knows? He looked good in spring. Hopefully he's healthy. Um, and then for, as for the spring game, I mean, it's pretty clear. Jeff doesn't give a shit about spring games. He doesn't really even like them. Uh, last year they had a whole spring game, but no tackling. This year, half of the spring game was literal seven on seven, like quarterbacks out there just running reps left and right, um, running routes everywhere. So, I mean, it was kind of – I don't know. It, it was kind of cool to see just – I mean, I, I I get it. It's just, I mean, a spring game is just a show. Like, you can't even do, like, a real scrimmage because you got a bunch of people that are watching. But at the same time, like, it it gets the fan base hyped up for, for the season and all. So, I mean, That's it's got its positives and negatives. But. Right. Yeah. Because you're doing situational scrimmages and stuff throughout the spring anyway. So, I mean, it's really just another scrimmage. There's nothing special about it. Other yeah. than the fact that it's televised and the fans are, you know, trying to draw conclusions off of it. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think it was cool. Like they opened up with the routes. They were doing a bunch of go routes and jump balls in the end zone and shit. So it was like, it was cool to see that a little bit, you know, see what receivers kind of look good out there who had speed and the secondary go one on one. It's kind of cool to see them battle and shit. But the last 30 minutes was actually like scrimmage. Um, maybe longer than 30 minutes, maybe like 45. I don't know. They didn't do a whole lot, but they actually did tackle. It wasn't just thud. And then um, I don't really know. You can just kind of tell, like, I think he's hesitant because obviously depth is super low anyways. Yeah. Um, I, I think it'd really be tough to go out there and get somebody really hurt in a spring game. Um, but I also get the other side of it. It's like, you know, scrimmage. You can't sit there and play like or act or, you know, half-ass practice on, on the the chance that you get someone hurt you just got to go out there and hope nobody gets hurt and hope everything is all right but I mean it is what it is I don't I don't really give a shit he can do what he wants uh, all we really give a shit about is just seeing more wins in the win call next year so um, I, I think we'll get there just with defensive miscues getting cut down um, secondary just having a little bit more communication uh, not giving up so many just wide open busted coverages will definitely push the needle for us. So hoping we can get to that six win range. It sucks that I'm sitting there saying that, but it is what it is right now. So yeah, that's pretty much all I got right now. Um, other than the I thought Jeff looked a lot more sharp. Um, his mechanics didn't look so damn just free. Like it didn't look like he was out there not giving a shit sometimes. And then 
sometimes he does, kind of like you see from Jeff. So maybe hiring um, Winky uh, was a good idea, having a good quarterbacks coach. So we'll see. I'm, I'm rooting for Jeff because I think he has the most upside of anybody on the team, even though Zach Pyron apparently is just one of those guys that's kind of like a gamer. They said he just didn't have the most electric arm, wasn't the most athletic, but was out there just making plays this spring. So I don't know. Didn't get to see him in the spring game. He hurt his – I think he broke his finger or something. But, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. I don't know if you have any questions, but. I got one. Um, other, you can't you can't say Dante, but just one one breakout candidate. Maybe not. Maybe don't even say you know Leo. <laughs> you just took the breakout candidates away. You literally took the two guys <laughs> that could be breakout. Name, name two breakout guys minus the well, two only biggest. Because, only because you already talked about them. Ah, uh, I'm trying to think. Who's somebody good... on defense then? Somebody on defense? I really want to say Trenelius Tatum, dude. Hell yeah. Like I, there's just no reason for him not to be, unless he's just not that guy. He, The physical traits are there. He looks like a freaking unit out there, and he can roll. He was flying in the spring. I mean, he was covering uh, Dante and Hassan out of the backfield, and there was one where he kept up with Hassan down the field. I mean, he was you know, a step or two behind, but he wasn't just getting toasted. So I remember I mean, that when he was a recruit, it was like his, I guess his it, like his breakdown of him as a recruit was like he's really fast, maybe a little undersized for a linebacker, but he's got all the speed that you need. Yeah, and so he's been able to keep that speed while also beefing up. I mean, he's not like too lean. He looks bigger. He's, yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely bigger. So I would definitely say him. Like I, I mean, at this point. If he gets to coaching and stuff, he needs like, – he should be a, a hell of a linebacker. So, yeah, if you want to go for a defensive guy, breakout player, I'm going to go with Trenelius. All right, so number three on the list, Trenelius Tatum. <laughs> you heard it here first. All right, I guess it's time for South Carolina then. Save so, the best for last. I mean, obviously. Of course, the biggest storyline – from the spring and continuing going into the season would be the transfer of um, Spencer Rattler into the program. Um, came in Ooh. to 20. Uh, yeah. It's, he's our quarterback. Don't worry about it. Came in okay. in 2020, 2021 season as a lot of people's Heisman favorite and people thought he might be the number one pick in the draft. Obviously that didn't work out. Um, he didn't run fast enough to combine. Yeah, and now I mean, obviously, now we know there's a lot more going on in Oklahoma. Uh, you know, who knows what what was really going on there? Um, and not that uh, he didn't play terrible, um, he just didn't play up to, I guess, his, I guess, what people thought he would he would be in, in the Oklahoma standard. Um, I think he was eleven touchdowns and five interceptions. He threw he was throwing like seventy four percent completion though, which is, I mean, pretty good, but. Um, obviously the whole, he got benched, whatever. Um, but I mean, through his career at Oklahoma, he's been right over 70% completion, 70.1, um, 4,595 yards, 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions and 18 career starts. I mean, that's, it's pretty good. Um, especially coming into South Carolina where last year we, we were starting a coach, 
and then a guy with a broken foot. And then I think I might have been the only guy that didn't get a chance for y'all. Yeah. And then in the bowl game, we started a wide receiver who, I mean, in in all fairness, went crazy. In all fairness, he was a four star QB recruit initially out of high school, but he transitioned over to wide receiver. So, I mean, we had four different starting quarterbacks. We got to seven wins. Um, I mean, even if Rattler doesn't, even if Rattler comes in and, and plays like he did for Oklahoma last year, that'll still be better than what we had. Um, but I mean, it's just all about seeing if Rattler can can kind of get his get his mind right and get back to kind of where he was in uh, twenty twenty. Yeah, no, twenty twenty when he had a really good season. Um, obviously, I don't expect all that because. We don't have the guys around him like Oklahoma had, but um, I mean, he's just he's just a way better quarterback than than we've had in a long time. Um, next well, story honestly, line. like in in, okay. in Rattler's defense, before you go on, I mean, really, last year the thing is, is that they couldn't block. They they their offensive line played awful the first you know five six weeks of the year. Even when Caleb Williams got in there, their offensive line and run game was non-existent. Yeah, I mean, he, really he was also trying to, plays. yeah, trying to force so, yeah. the ball in some, in some, yeah, he's forcing the ball. And even, even like you read his stats off his stat, he was still extremely efficient. Yeah. So, I mean, it's almost like you, you can't really, I mean, yes, obviously at quarterback, you're going to take more of the blame than everybody else, but you can't sit here and say, oh, well, you know, Rattler was the reason. Caleb Williams came in and gave him a spark. Absolutely. But I don't, I don't know if Rattler is really as bad as it's made out to be last year. I I mean, I agree with you, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, do, he does have a tendency to force the ball into places, trust his arm a little bit too much. I mean, he does have a cannon on his shoulder. Um, the old cliche, he can make every throw on the field, is, is definitely true. Um, I mean, we'll just see. We have some receivers. I guess that, that segues into my next point, the receiving core. This year we actually have some receivers that instead of being like who the hell is going to catch the ball, it's like which one of these guys is going to be the leading receiver. Going into last year, I mean, I can't remember. I, I probably said who I thought would be the leading receiver on the podcast at some point. I, I can guarantee it wasn't Josh Van that I said. Um because he hadn't done – he before last year, he didn't really do anything in, what, three years or two years at South Carolina. Um, but he had a good year last year, which was really nice to see. We needed it. We didn't really have anybody else. Um, but this year, we actually – we got a couple transfers in. Um, Antonio Wells – or Antoine – not Antonio. Antoine Wells um, and Corey Rucker, who's not actually on campus yet. He didn't participate in, in any of the spring, but – he is a guy that could come in and, and challenge for a starting spot. Um, apparently, Xavier Leggett, who's been in the program for a little bit, had a really, really good spring. Um, to carry on joiners, he's never going to be – I hate to say this, but he's never going to be like a superstar. He's never going to be your number one guy, but he's he's a consistent guy that you can throw to in, in some circumstances. And I remember last year we did some sweeps to him and I was waiting for the fake for him to throw the ball. That never really happened. So maybe, maybe we can throw that in this year. Obviously he can, he can throw, throw the pigskin around a little bit. Um, and then Amaria Brown transferred from Georgia Tech, apparently had a really good spring. Um, he did an interview with um, Gamecock Central, I think. And he was just saying how it was, 
it was difficult to to come into the new offense and kind of get it comfortable and, and get up to speed. He said the SEC is a little bit faster than what he was used to. Um, <laughs> this um, means more. Yeah, exactly. Means but, it takes I mean, me longer to learn the playbook. But the receiving, I mean, the receiving room, it looks, it looks really solid right now. I mean, it's nowhere near like tops of the SEC or anything like that, but it's much better than we've had in, in a couple of years. Um, and all that without mentioning, I guess, kind of tight end hybrid um, Jaheim Bell, who's, who might, might end up being the leading receiver of this team because um, he's, he's a stud. He didn't play in the spring game because he had a little hamstring tweak. But, I mean, dude can ball. Um, and then next storyline, O-line. O-line, honestly, last year was bad. They are really bad. Um, we couldn't run the ball to save our lives for most games. I mean, towards the end of the season, we got a little bit better. Um, the quarterbacks, as bad as they were, were kind of just getting hung out of dry. I think back to that Texas A&M clip where, um, where old Zeb's in and just gets destroyed and just lays there for a little bit looking like he's dead. Um, but luckily returns eight of the top offensive linemen, one of them, Jazz and Tarantine, who was a transfer from um, – Juco uh, a couple years ago he transferred out recently which I mean it's not a big hit it was it was kind of a playtime thing um, but we were returning the whole starting five so you would think after a year in the system after a year in the offense um, that they would improve um, you never really know though unfortunately um, but I mean the running backs look pretty good and I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit and then I guess defensively it's just, you know, you lose Jalen Foster, who accounted for a lot of turnovers. Um, the former Walker. Yeah, former. Loved the team in interceptions and seconds. Yeah. Yep, all of that. Did I mention he is a former walk-on? Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> um, we led the SEC in turnovers last year, um, which definitely helped us win a couple games that maybe, maybe we shouldn't have. Um, there were some games that were kind of on the line. And not not against good teams, but against against bad teams. I remember um, what game was it? ECU, maybe. Yeah, East Carolina game. Yeah, just kept uh, giving, giving the, the ball six. to each other. Yeah. Um, turnovers helped us. You know, the ball bounced the right way a lot last year, and uh, I think that was a big reason for the if you call seven to six success, the success we had. Um, so, you know, will that continue? I don't know. I think Cam Smith is going to be one of the best, if not the best cornerbacks in the SEC this year. Um, alongside probably, probably Keely Ringo and Eli Ricks. Um, those three guys are probably the top, but, um, you know, the defense, it's, it's just a question mark. Um, Jalen Foster obviously is gone. We replaced him with, um, Oh my God, his name has slipped my mind. I'm pulling a Sid right now. Um, I did it too. It's a new. Oh, what's his name? Hold on. Um, Devonnie Reed. Devonnie Reed. That's what his name was. He's transferring. Uh, apparently, he's looked pretty good. Um, and then the defensive line. We lost JJ Nubare to the draft. Um, hope, hopefully, Jordan Burge can 
step up and be what he was supposed to be as a five-star recruit getting into the spring game. I guess with that, when I first got there, we saw Jordan Burch um, running out doing drills. He looks like a monster. He looks huge. Um, he's big, fast. He's got all the tools. It's just putting it all together on the field and making plays. Um, hopefully that happens. I don't know. Um, spring game rather looked good. We didn't really take many deep shots. Um, I think he was eight for 10, which is pretty efficient. Um, yeah, he was eight for 10 for 80 yards. Um, and then Luke Doty, who's obviously the backup now, but he looked really good. He looks healthy. Um, he looks much improved. He went seven for 10 for 85 yards and a touchdown. Um, running back room looks deep. For some, I, I mean, Marshawn Lloyd looks way more explosive than he did last year. He looks like we thought he would look um, when he came in as a freshman, as a five-star. Um, Juju McDowell continues to look like probably the best running back on, on the team, which is weird because he's like 5'4" and like 150 pounds, but he just, I don't know. Dude runs really hard and he's really fast. And then obviously you got um, Christian Beal Smith from Wake Forest, who was the leading rusher last year. He transfers in, he's an older guy with experience, um, which is always good. He'll probably be, it'll probably be a, a split between all three of those guys, Marshawn, Christian Beal Smith and, and Juju. Juju's not like an every down back. Um, he's more of a change change of pace back. But um, wide receiver, Josh Van didn't, didn't do much. I think he was nursing a little injury as well. Um, Juice Wells, Antoine Wells looked good on a couple of plays he made. Um, tight end Trey Kenyon actually looked really good, which is good because our tight end room is actually a little thin because Austin Sogner's not on campus yet, and Jaheim Bell was injured for the spring game. Um, so that was good to see. And then the O-line, unfortunately, looked like they lost more reps than they won against the D-line. The D-line is going to be pretty good. Um, you know, you got the tandem of five stars, Birch and Pickens out there. Um, but I don't know. The quarterbacks looked pretty – looked under pressure a lot. Um, and luckily they were – luckily they were in the green jerseys or Rattler might be hurt right now because there are a couple of plays where it looked like he might get killed. Um, but, yeah, I mean – after spring, I've got a lot of optimism, obviously, as everyone does after spring practice. And um, I don't know, I'm, I'm gearing to go. So, it's always good when 85% of your production comes back. That's true. Yeah, I mean, we, lost, we lose Kevin Harris and Zaquandre White, who are our top two guys, but I think they're going to. I mean, we ran the ball so poorly last year. It didn't even really matter that much. Um, so, I think I think the running game is going to be fine this year. I'm I'm pretty excited about Christian Beal Smith. I think he's just, he's just. I don't think he's going to be a superstar. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be a star. He's just a consistent guy back there that is going to run hard. So, hell, I think as much as you know, Kevin Harris struggled to get going last year. I mean, Christian Beal Smith can give you that. Mm-hmm. Granted, Harris is probably a little more athletic than he is, but but I mean, I think probably was, similar production. Yeah, can be drawn there. Yeah, I agree. And losing Zaquandre right, I mean, you, you lose the threat of the backfield. But hell, that just puts Juju on the field more. So I don't know if that's exactly that might yeah. or not. Yeah, I mean, Zaquandre was a hell of a player, and he he played his ass off every game. But 
there's just something about Juju. He just, I don't know. When he gets the ball in his he hands, just he just goes. He makes people it's miss. It's like Travis Etienne. They they basically said he's not he's not really great at anything. He just he just fucking scores. It's weird because awesome. like it, it's like people when they try to tackle him, it's like they don't expect him to hit back, and then he just he kind of hits him back, and they're like, oh shit! So he he breaks some tackles. Maybe that's just our in the spring game. Maybe that's just our guys poor tackling. Who knows? But <laughs> I don't know. He looks he looks good. Marshawn Lloyd looked very explosive. Looked like his high school film again. Um, and last That's year, just, last year he looked scared to cut a little bit um, on that. Well, knee. he's out of the brace now, and he, I mean, yeah, you get a little time off the knee. You never know. Yeah. But yeah, that's all I got for the spring. All right, time to get into some questions, and I'm I'm excited about this. These are some good questions, um, Sam. If you wanna if you wanna kick it off here. Mr. Executive Producer. Yeah, the Executive Producer. I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about probably the most overwhelmingly so, the most uh, polarizing issue in college football right now is uh, a combination of the NIL and transfer portal situation. Uh, So I'm curious to see what you guys think of it just in general. And if you could change one aspect of it for the better, what would it be? I mean, I – I, I like it, but now I feel like it's just gone really, really far. Like tampering and all that is just – I think if the thing I would change is have really strict tampering rules. I don't know. I'm not really sh- sure how you enforce that necessarily because, like, I saw an interview with Deion Sanders, and he was like, it's the, it's the kids' high school coaches that are reaching out to teams yep. or whatever. And I don't really know how, how you enforce it necessarily, but it's just – it's with the Jordan Addison thing transferring from Pitt just like kind of randomly and it's coming out that he's like has a million dollar or however many million dollar deal. Um, right. I don't know. It's becoming too much. Cause it's like a team like South Carolina, if they have, if they happen to get a superstar, it's like, they're just going to get the superstar is just going to get bought by Alabama or something. And it's a team like of, South Carolina, a team like Georgia tech. Yeah. Just like, Mid mid tier teams, if they happen to have a super and like Pitt too, if they happen to have a superstar on their team, they can just get bought by someone else with more money, which is kind of scary to think about. Um, I mean, I, I think I, I like the 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 thought of it, like nil getting payers played and all that, but I think it's just it's already like one year in, it's already gone a little too far. <laughs> I think I think we're seeing now like the lack of foresight and the lack of willing to, you know evolve from the NCAA so now we're just seeing this wild west shit where it's just like all right fine this is what you wanted here this is what you get like no rules nobody's really paying attention to tampering all that shit I think like the one thing I would do immediately is put a cap on it I treat it like a salary yeah have us and have a salary cap so like it doesn't matter who they do the deal with but I mean, if you're doing deals with, you know, corporations and stuff like that, like that's public what you're, but they're paying these kids. So cap it at a certain amount, you know, like, so that way USC is not able to say, oh, okay, well, if they're giving you two and a half, we'll just give you 3 million. It's like, well, you know, Pitt maxed you out at a hundred K. Well, that's all we can give you too. So it really boils down to the situation more than what they can give you. Um, I think it's still going to be a shit show, but I think you have to put a cap on it somewhere because certain schools are just in better positions to spend more or have, you know, companies willing to spend more 
however you want to do it. I mean, schools are getting creative. Like we don't, we, we don't have the best NIL situation, but we've now got a collective of alumni. They essentially started a business and you donate it to like your, like I can donate money. It's like a fan club and it gives me benefits. Like I get to go like field passes and shit for practices and stuff. And then that company signs the players or pays the players. So, I mean, it, it's there's just so many ways around it. You have to cap it at some point because $3 million in a house, whatever they gave him, dude, that's – he'd be stupid to go as a junior last year to go to the NFL. Get paid more by, get paid more by Southern Cal. Yeah, and, and live, you know, with no – like you're still under the realm of a university. You're still in college. You're not an adult, you know. Like it's just. I mean, imagine getting that paycheck and then going to the NFL as one of the top receivers. <laughs> Dude, you gave me three million dollars in college. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it probably wouldn't have been a good thing. But I mean, for a football player, like it's almost like just they for, can for Southern they Cal can, to win eight games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really not even going to benefit Southern Cal that much. But I mean, at, at some point. I think it's going to come to a head where it's just like, okay, we have to do something about this because even the big dogs are bitching about how, I mean, like, you know, Kirby and Saban aren't happy with this shit. It's like, they used to be the ones paying boys. And now it's like, wait, Texas A&M just dropped $30 million on a, on a recruiting class. Like, Yeah. There was an article that came out. Uh, beginning of this week, and I can't remember what website published it, but it was basically talking about, obviously, unnamed coaches um, talking about, you know, used to be, like, all this stuff that was under the table now is, like, above board, like, it's just out in the open, and it's, like, used to be if a kid would say, hey, so-and-so is paying me more than 50 grand, he was, like, you knew it was bullshit, because nobody's, no, like, you just, you can't hide at a certain amount, there's, you just, there's red flags that start going off, and so, but now if a kid comes to you and he's, like, oh, well, Tennessee gave me eight million over four years, you're like, oh fuck! Like we, we really got to compete with that. Yeah. So I think I think the cap is is probably one of the one of the best things, just because you, I mean, you have a scholarship cap. So I mean, why don't you have a cap on the amount of money that you can you can pay out to your roster, have your roster signed up to make, and just have it be a level playing field. So that way, at least everybody knows the rules and everybody's playing under the same. That way, everybody's playing the same game. Because if not, you have schools with massive alumni bases or you know, schools that are positioned, you know, like AM with oil. Big money, markets, big markets. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's uh, true. There's just that's a good yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's just it, it gives you the best of both worlds. Players are no longer able to bitch about not getting paid and they can get their check while which they should. I mean, these universities, especially the large ones for the large majority, are profiting off of these kids, right? So a hundred percent pay them. But for a kid to be out there making more than any other coach on the staff other than the head coach, it's like at what point does a kid be like, you know, to his position coach, doesn't give a shit about what his position coach has got to say because he's out there making three mil. It doesn't matter. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's, it's just a weird dynamic. But I, I, I don't think you can tell me that Jordan Addison's value is, to USC, the university, is $3 million. I just think it's ridiculous. I don't think there's any no. – there's no way. No, they just got it, so they're going to throw it. I mean, it. Yeah, somebody's got it, so, and somebody's willing to spend it to get USC back to pre-poo-poo, which they are right now, you know? And it's just like yeah. 
so you do feel for teams like I mean I don't feel bad because Pat Narduzzi is a fucking dick, but I mean I think the fact that he called Lincoln Riley and allegedly cussed him out is awesome though. I love that. I mean I like the beef between them because like Lincoln Riley is now the most hated guy in football. Everybody hates Narduzzi too, and like everybody's just like he's a grumpy old bastard. And now you're like, we got these jokers. Like, one is the ultimate snake out in Cali boy now. And then one is just, like, pissed off because, you know, he's got nobody to pay his current player. That's the other thing. It's like, as a coach, like, recruiting sucks. Like, coaches say, you know, I'm a good recruiter. Like, I like – I enjoy – recruiting sucks. You're on the road all the time. You're dealing with – 18-year-old kids, yeah, like, telling you one thing. 17-year-old yeah. entitled motherfuckers. Yeah, so at a certain point, yeah, you may like it, but nobody loves recruiting, okay? So now add that on top of your current your current roster, the kids you've already recruited once, yeah, are now coming to you saying, look, I, yeah, hey, yeah. dog, look, I, we had – I mean, and it's kind of, you know, it, it doesn't always work out for the best. Like, we had a kid come into our coach and say, hey, I'm getting 50 grand in a car. Can you match that? We're like, no, get fucked. And guess what? He's now moving to offensive line at a school in the SEC, and he was a defensive line transfer because they don't have room for him at DL. So, hey, get fucked. We don't care. (laughs) But now it's just like – I imagine being a coach. You're like, you know, I got this guy. We're developing blah, blah, blah. We we beat out – X school, whoever you want to say. And then a year after a year, he's like, all right, coach, you're going to have to update it a little bit. I need a, a new scat pack and 50K. It's like, okay, well, what about Junior over here that just asked for 60K and a 392? <laughs> it's just like, yeah. it's like, I don't know. Yeah, to keep your best player, you're going to lose your second and third best player. Yeah. And yeah. it depends on what school you are. I mean, if you're like tech, yeah, that's, that's true. Or if you're like Bama, you can pay for a couple of them, and then one of them gets, you know, arrested in the state next door, and he's got weed on him, and he's driving his car way too fast. But it's like ah, – With okay. no license. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's driving that car that, you know, some Saban's buddies that the boosters just bought off a lot. You know, it's just like – I don't know. I think it's kind of wild. I, like I said, I think the NIL is a good idea. I think we have just, absolutely no the intentions were pure. Clue. Yeah, yeah, it just needs to be refined a little poor. bit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We get execution to- was poor. The execution was just, and I, I know I said it, but the execution was just poor because they refused to do it for so long. They refused to build a committee ten years ago and start looking into how we can do this and set up bylaws and all these kind of things. But no, they were just like, no, we're pushing off, pushing off, fought it, fought it, and then finally, like, f it, here you go. Floodgates. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Kirby and Saban holding revolvers in Wild West, you know, <laughs> looking around, look, like yeah. who's going to shoot first? Before we, before we go too far into that, uh, we should probably move on to the next question. Why didn't you get to give my, my resolutions, dude? Oh, go ahead then. Go ahead. Well, part of it, part of it was the salary cap, like since. Yeah, uh, I thought I thought know, that was just, just the overall like. Then yeah, team, just place your rules are, on it. Are just gonna go under like under the table with the cap too. Well, I mean that's just so happen. much harder. But if you set a hard cap, it's easy to easier to regulate it. 
making this right. a thing just like you just you can't but you're not gonna be able to go under under the table and pay a kid three million dollars you can't just, transfer three million dollars without no it, right? but you can no but you can give them extra still I mean, I mean, yeah, but mil, but at but least at least some sort of regulation is is at least the first there's a, step. There's of a it. paper trail for all of this. You you move the scale down. You 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 bring out all this massive fucking scale we have right now. If you put a cap, you at least bring the variations from the cap. You know, a hundred thousand at at worst, compared to three million versus fifty thousand. We're yeah. all over the place right now. There's yeah. no standard right now. It's just it's the so I did, I did see a couple. Of, I saw a couple of things that were interesting. The first, obviously, being put back the uh, the one year on the transfer thing because sit out, obviously, yeah. if if you have to go sit out a year, I mean, is the money worth it? Especially if you're like Jordan Addison and it's a draft year. I mean, does that does that keep you from transferring? And I, I mean, often I would say more often than not, yes. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that if you want to stop the pay for play and have NIL really based on, you know, your performance, how good you are at, you know, your job, you're getting paid your actual value of what, you know, I mean, like anybody else, you get paid for how good you are at your job. It would be that you can't sign any NIL deals until you've played in a certain, until you've appeared in a certain amount of games. That's like how we're I not think it should be. Million dollars. And that's really my biggest thing is we're not going to, that way the people on the front end aren't getting burned because, we gave Nico Emilavea eight million dollars. He gets to Tennessee, and we realize he's absolutely awful. Yeah. What if we had DJ in recruiting? How much would we have? Would we have to pay DJ? And he gets here, and he's buns. Then everybody's I mean, like, "What did we do?" I mean, I think that's what happened. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. I mean, I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I think you probably gave him a little cheddar. And we know he's bond. So, <laughs> the I mean, I don't think it's to the point of Jordan Addison, $3 million, but somebody is not feeling too great about their investment right now out there somewhere. Yeah, but I like I like that method, though. Um, I, I think the thing, the biggest thing we have to stop, and sorry, Devaney, I know you probably haven't given yours either, but it's like the inner free agency and let's get all my offers after every year. Like, I get it. If you, you transfer once, get your money. Like, it still sucks. But then at the end of the year, again, thinking, okay, who's got a better offer? It's like – and it's not football, but Isaiah Wong from Miami. He transfer. I mean, he's at Miami, and then it's like at the end of the year, he's like telling Miami, okay, I'm going to enter the portal and see what my offers are. It's like – Yeah, y'all gave all these transfers more money than you gave me. I'm your best player. Yeah. And then – Because he's going to give me more. Then use that leverage against you. You have the company that's paying him $200,000, and they have, they're like, he's under contract. It's like now we're putting kids under contract and shit. Like this is just so much more complicated than and we're just entering all these things and these variables into the, this deal and shit. It just doesn't make sense. There's, there's got to be something. But Devinny, go ahead and give your opinion. What do you think will fix it? Well, yeah, I was just going off what Sam was talking about, the pay for play. Like, first of all, I wasn't really a big fan of paying college athletes to begin with because I knew it would turn into this and it would kind of yeah anybody a lot with of, a brain knew that this shit was going to go yeah, off the rails it would, immediately yeah. it would cause a lot of issues and could possibly ruin the game you know if nothing's done accordingly um, because you have a bunch of these 
young young guys that are leaving their parents for the first time in their entire life and given a million dollars like what do you think they're gonna do with it bro think about and, you having a million dollars your senior year in college i know you. the rest of my friends i, I, I know i know it. all of I know I all of y'all. I wouldn't I have it all anymore. of y'all. How much would we have left of that? Zero. It would be like uh, it'd be like that video of uh, what's his face when he talks about Bryce Harper, Theo Vaughn. Remember when he talks about Bryce Harper? The Great White the three- North. Yeah. Um, Ooh. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. So I don't. It, it's one of those deals where they have to make like in a a bylaw or something that you can't pay a player until he's there for a year or so because i mean it's just gonna ruin it's gonna ruin the game i mean it's gonna turn into the nfl i mean because like a bunch of this transfer portal shit and free agency now i mean it's just it's not what college like it's gonna turn into like what college football is all about like it's not gonna be the same anymore it, yeah. if nothing happens like if it's just it's gonna ruin like why we love college football so much isn't like gonna be the same anymore i think we're i think we're beyond that i think we're past that and there's no return yeah ruin that but college football will never be why we loved it. it like it'll never be about that anymore yeah but you gotta make sure it doesn't get worse somehow yeah so I don't know. We'll see. There's a lot of powerful heads out there with a lot of money. So, so to sum it up, this is Davini's get off my lawn. Like yep. rant, right? Davini, Davini just says we should shut it down. Yeah. This yeah, is, dude. I mean, this is get off my honestly, lawn. Honestly, not not the, not the worst idea. Maybe these kids just don't understand the value. Like it's gonna it's gonna make these kids more entitled and being scared of adversity. I mean, they're just going to get anything and everything they want, and they're not going to know how to deal with failure. They're just going to, whoop, oh, I'll go to this school. It's going to pay me 500K. See y'all. Because he didn't make, yeah, this, I'm, he I'm didn't make the starting job. Yeah, but hey, just, here's, the, here's the other thing. And you can't tell me this doesn't exist. If you don't really love football, but you're kind of raw, and you're like, I don't really want to do this shit the rest of my life, why don't I just go and get fat racks in college and play college football? Maybe get drafted, not give a shit about it, fizzle out in two, three years. But I've already made three million up yeah, to this point. You, you got to love it to keep playing in college because I mean it's a full time job, dude. There's oh, so yeah. many people that say I don't give a shit about football. Really, they get to the NFL and they're like, I realized, like I don't like football. And they get burned out. It. Yeah, but if someone's paying you three million dollars to do it, that's a fucking job, and it's a funner than a real job, or it's funner than being broke as shit. Not doing Dude, anything, should, so you're like, we should probably move on to the next. Yeah, we gotta move on point. like this. <laughs> yeah, we gotta, we gotta move on. get off our I, lawn. I thought there was some good candy there. I don't know. All right, Sam, what we got next? Um, I don't know which one y'all want to do. I'll, we'll just go ahead. We'll go down the list. So the team that's not yours. That you're most excited to see for 2022. For me, I'm gonna South Carolina. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna say South Carolina. The fact that Rattler's in there, it I mean, it scares the hell out of me a little bit. But it's also kind of like I feel like 
I, I just feel like it's a complete wild card. It could either it could go down in flames, or South Carolina could be a ten win, eleven win team that's just like busting everybody's balls. Like they're a complete wild card. It's really fifty fifty on one of one one of those two options. It's either going to be really good or really, <laughs> or really bad. bad. And I can't wait yeah. to find out. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm just excited to see South Carolina just because, like what y'all did without a quarterback at all last year. That's it was impressive. We did the same thing. Yeah, but y'all, 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 y'all had way got, better yeah. players. Y'all had a five star quarterback. Yeah. Though. <laughs> we had our coach playing. Yeah, yeah, you played like a five dollar quarterback. <laughs> they had a they had a frat star out there with a beer belly. Playing, we had Big Stinko. I don't understand what's the difference. Y'all had Bo Hangley boy. I'm excited to see. The first, the first team that comes to my mind is probably Oklahoma, just because there's like I feel like it's been almost a total team turnover, new head coach, new quarterback, oh, wow. just so much, so much newness yeah. over there. I mean, they probably won't be as good as they've been in the past few years, just because everything oh, has wow. happened and and having a new head coach. But I'm kind of excited to see how how everything unfolds. Yeah. Especially for me, because I'm, you know, obviously not even low key rooting for Brent Venables, like high key, because you know, screw Lincoln Riley. So like, just take the keys of the car and run it through the wall for all I care. Yeah, exactly. all my homies hate Lincoln Riley, bro. <laughs> yeah, all my homies hate Lincoln Riley, and that's why I'm excited to see USC too, because I want him to fail so hard. Same, but the problem is they're not going to. That's what sucks. Is because the Pac-12 is so dog shit. They can yep. lose to Oregon. It doesn't matter, and they can. Find lucky, luckily, like find a little luck at the end of the year and make a playoff. It doesn't matter. They're about yeah. to become Clemson. Yeah, exactly. It's just one of their coaches hides behind being a Christian. The other one just doesn't give a shit about it. <laughs> same, mm. same people. One acts like. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Davina, yeah, what's your team? <laughs> um. I mean, I I'm say excited. South Florida. I'm excited. <laughs> they got all them Clemson transfers, dog. I'm trying to see what our backup team is like. Oh, Jeff Scott or whatever is that Jeff? What's his name? Yeah, I don't yep. know. I'm excited to. I'm excited to see Carolina, but not to the point where they beat us. So, um, I mean, that's already we're gonna beat y'all. So, I mean, no, you're not. We're gonna um, beat. We're I gonna beat like Arkansas gonna be... game two and ride that momentum into into the Georgia game and just beat y'all by twenty one. Shoot. Um, <laughs> That'd be good because the team will fall apart. <laughs> I would say y'all have more than seven wins, but I don't think y'all hit ten. I think y'all schedule is tough. I think ten I've, wins I've, would be a, would be nothing short of a miracle. Yeah, I'm looking at y'all schedule. It's it's pretty. Ten tough. wins would be freaking I think, insane. I think y'all get. I think y'all can get eight, possibly nine. There, there's a path to eight or nine wins, but the most likely path right now is saying seven. But we'll see. I mean, if the team comes together, I mean, like like Sam said, it's just like it's either going to crash and burn or it's going to work, <laughs> and we don't know yeah. which one's going to happen. Um, but all right, next one, next question. Uh, just going back to the NFL draft from last week, um, your best slash worst and or best worst pick. Just curious to see which ones y'all thought were the most interesting. Just first round? Any of them. Any of them. I I think the number one pick was interesting. Not that the dude's not a freak athlete, 
But I feel like to be the number one pick in the NFL draft, you have to have some some sort of on-field play, some sort of stat line to back that up. And not, I mean, he didn't have no stats like Jordan Davis, but it just wasn't like number one pick stats. I don't know. It 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 just had um, Cleveland Farrell vibes to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, so. it was weird. I wasn't expecting him to go number one um, until, like, the day of the draft I saw where a couple dudes changed their mocks to him going one. But I'll tell you what the actual one pick in the first draft – in the first round was Drake London. Yeah, dude, I don't – I've never been sold on I don't think people realize that the reason why he snapped is because he was their only good receiver. They – in one game, he had 15 receptions. <laughs> his target share was it's absolutely slow, atrocious. Yeah, it's dummy. Like, of course, he's going to put up stats. He's getting all the throws. Like Now, granted, granted, when they played um, – maybe it was Notre Dame. Dude, their, their offenses were like, fuck it, post route Drake London. He's either going to dunk on somebody or going <laughs> to throw it over his head. And that was yeah. literally their offense. And it – I mean, they lost. It didn't work. But, I mean, it was clear that he was he was just way better than everybody. Yeah. But in I the mean, NFL, if you're not fast and you can't separate, yeah, you're, you're not, not going to be doing nothing. Yeah, I was listening to that. somebody talk about that because, like, you see him make all these contested catches in college. He's contested you, for a reason. Yeah, you realize that if he can't even get separation in college. In the Pac-12? Bubba, yeah. Bubba. Yeah. Like, I NFL, saw somebody, I saw somebody compare him to – um. To Mike Williams, just in the sense of the way he high points the ball and how physical he is. But dude, Mike Williams ran like mid four fives. Drake yeah. Lennon is four seven type speed. Yeah. Yeah. I think one yeah. of the best best picks was Nicobe Dean, though. He went so late. It was just see, I was just about to say, I think can I go for one of the worst non-picks? I yeah. think it's Nicobe And every team that picked ahead of him was a terrible pick because especially for the Falcons. What they took at linebacker, dude. what they could have got if for. Oh my God, Montana State, bro. dude. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. Is film not a fucking thing anymore? Yeah, like, is that just like? Come on. Yeah. He's one. That, that Montana State guy was one of those combine freaks. He's like six four, like two thirty. He is a brick shit house, and he ran like a four four. Like he could fly, but at the same time, bro, you go okay, to Montana but- State, bro. Nicobe like, was out there doing that shit against the baddest week dudes after in college week. football. Yeah, the, the best, other thing is, he was is the like, best could, player on the, one of the best defenses we've ever seen. Ever, ever. Yeah, he's, a, he's probably can, the most can, disciplined linebacker I've seen come from a defense in so long. Yeah, not not the, only the top, not only just something, something yeah, serious. Not not only just like his physical attributes and how athletic he is, but mentally, that dude was everywhere and in the right spot every single time. Yeah, dude, he's a freak. And I told you, I remember telling y'all he was Roquan reincarnated a couple years ago. If he was bigger, if he was Roquan size, he would have got paid like Roquan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I believe that wholeheartedly. Absolutely. And the other thing is, is, I saw somebody make, like, people were trying to make the argument, oh, well, he, he only made all these plays because of the front seven. It's like, well, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, does that help? 100%. But this dude was everywhere. 
I'm talking everywhere. about everywhere. everywhere. The reason Jordan Davis didn't have any stats is because Nicobe Dean already hit the guy. <laughs> <laughs> that was because Nicobe was coming in the A gap and beat him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just he just hit somebody right in the mouth. Yeah. So he's a freak. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. That was that was the biggest steal for sure. What other biggest what other steal. picks we got? Um, I liked. Um, oh, you go ahead, Sam. I'm from the first round. Um, the the Jags second pick getting Devin Lloyd from Utah. I don't know if y'all watched the Utah games last year, but oh my god, yeah, Utah was hell on wheels. That dude is an absolute monster. Yeah. So I don't know what he's going to be in the NFL, but Jesus Christ, he might have been the best defensive player like in the country in the draft, just on pure like go out and you know kill somebody because he was like Nakobe, but at like six five two thirty. Yeah. Yeah, I think the oh. uh, the Packers had a really good draft defensively. Did you see who they took? Sorry, Aaron Rodgers. Um, yeah. Defensively, did you see who the Packers took? Yeah. Do you still think it's good? <laughs> Wait, who are you talking Listen, about? Listen, everybody's going to make a mistake. Tariq Carpenter? <laughs> oh, I mean, uh. dude, that was like – well, I was like sixth round, seventh round, whatever. Um, I was talking about the first – the first uh, couple rounds, um, Wyatt and uh, Quay, and then they got um, – I can never say his name, Jacob, but the – I think – Yeah, I think he's going to be a, a gym. Um, he's just – he just – he didn't a late test round, He didn't test late well. round gym. He plays, he plays the game of football really well. He just didn't test well, which is yeah. why he dropped so far, but – you know, also, David Ajaba, the guy that ruptured his Achilles for Michigan in the pro day. Yeah. Still going second round. I feel like somebody got a pretty good deal on him, assuming he comes back. And he, he slick might he be was. better than – I Aiden. thought he was better than Hutchinson. He's more athletic. I think, I think the Lions had uh, – well, you speak of Hutchinson. Yeah, I think the Lions had a really nice first round. Yeah. They, they got – because they got Aiden Hutchinson, who's – I mean, you know, obviously they got a lot They of, got the great value Bosa brother. Yeah, and, and then, then they got they got the best receiver gets. in the draft. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is crazy. He got passed up. Just that injury, well. dude. Yeah. But I mean, you know, um, they've been feeding him freaking HGH to get him back, anyways. Dude, he at the comp like when people were getting ready for the combine, even like the week before that, he was already running. Yeah, they wouldn't let him cut, but he was running in a straight line. Yeah, and and one of the other, um, I think it was John Mechie. He said at the combine, he was like, "Yeah, if JMO could run, he would probably set the record for <laughs> Yeah, he probably yeah. would, bro. He's yeah. like dead ass serious. So that's he the was thing. Scooting. That, yeah, that boy, he was floating in the in the SEC championship game before yeah. before we run out. Of time, <laughs> he really did. He glitched. Before we run out of time, <laughs> let's do let's go around one breakout candidate for your team, and then your predictions for the season. So I'll go. One breakout candidate, I think. I think it's gonna be, uh, you know, and I think it's gonna be Jordan Birch. I think he's gonna have a really good year. And then I think right now I'm gonna go seven and five. Um, that that prediction is gonna probably get get better and better as we get closer to the season. I'm probably gonna end up being thinking we're gonna get ten wins or something. But right now, level headed, seven and five. Um, for me, I'm torn. I want to say I want to say Barrett Carter. Um, at linebacker, that's probably the one guy that didn't play a ton last year that I think is going to be really, really good for us. Um, 
And then as far as record predictions, I mean, all comes down to quarterback. So, and don't feel confident in that. We got to go play at Notre Dame, who I don't know if Notre Dame is going to be that good. But again, you don't ever want to play there at night um, on the road. And then NC State, I think NC State's going to be really damn good. I yeah. don't know if we'll beat them, even though we got them at home. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking ten and two. Um, again, it's gonna it's gonna be so close to last year that it's sickening. Yeah. Um, I think we're going. No, uh, I think we might get six wins. I mean, okay. I'll, I I think we'll be better. I think we finally have an offensive coordinator worth of shit. I think there's enough talent there to get six wings and a, a six wins and an extremely pedestrian that's six conference. pieces some fry boy <laughs> <laughs> and uh uh i think it'd be tough to start but i think the back end of the schedule plays um, to our favor until we get to georgia so you know we kind of bookend our season with clemson and georgia and then in between it's really just kind of a lot of toss-up games so if if, if coaching's marginally better and, uh sam dipped out so see you sam but uh, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go six wins. All right, Davini. Um, breakout candidate and record prediction. Breakout candidate is gonna be Jalen Carter. Okay. Um, prediction or the schedule or for the record based on the schedule. I mean, go regular season. Regular season, the only games that I'm really worried about are the first game against Oregon because they're going to – Dan Lanning knows, you know, Georgia. Knows the defense, yeah. And he's going to throw everything at us. Um, all kinds of trick plays and different formations and stuff. So, I think that's going to be a – that's going to be a fun game to watch. Um, I think it's going to be a, a huge offensive game for both teams. Um, that game, the Carolina game, because it's in – Columbia, and y'all got a. Uh, I don't think. I mean, of, I I think the Tennessee game is probably more. You know, have a lot of hype. Um, Auburn is more threatening to you. Auburn's gonna suck. Don't even worry about still. Auburn. Florida's Florida, gonna suck. Florida's Anthony Richardson. He can make plays, but the rest of the team. But he threw for like fifty three percent last year. So yeah, I think we can beat them. Tennessee. I mean, their defense and they lost Valus Jones. Um, it's just, yeah, they're, they're, they're gonna, gonna have, have, they, offense, they're gonna have a high powered offense, it's just, yeah. Their defense is just not, just not like, yeah, I mean, not I mean, I'm saying that they're probably gonna beat our ass again, but Mississippi State, I think, is gonna be uh, one of those games that's gonna be like people think that it's gonna be a, a blowout or something, but they're like South Carolina, they're returning almost all their starters, yeah. So they're gonna be pretty decent with Mike Leach. So you're uh, thinking probably, probably undefeated regular season. Uh, yeah, there's there's no one on y'all schedule that you're like we probably lose that game. Yeah, there's yeah. no one. Uh, I, I see a couple well, of good I games. So. <laughs> I see a, I see a couple of good games. So I mean, I'm gonna say twelve and zero, but I'm I'm not gonna be surprised if we drop one. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Well, that was a good one. That was a good comeback podcast, there, boys. Um, if anyone has any last remarks in this last three minutes of the of the meeting, you can go ahead. And if not, we can just go ahead and end it. Damn. Well, to end this, how about this little tidbit? Zay Flowers from Boston College, obviously their best receiver, says he turned down a six hundred thousand 
and a $300,000 offer from other schools. Uh, they tried to get him in the portal, and he said he wouldn't go. He needs to name them, bro. They, we need there. We we already talked so long about that. We're just not yeah. even gonna get back into it. <laughs> I got I got I got a little another little tidbit for you. Um, so out of all the SEC teams, who do you think generates the most revenue? Oh, Texas A&M, easy. Like out of all, this is all of the college sports combined. It's UGA by a lot. UGA is number one at $55 million. Um, Arkansas is number two, $21 mil. Ole Miss, A&M is four. South Carolina is seven. Wait, what is this number here, though? Because, like, Texas A&M's budget is like $235 million a year. Yeah, this is this um, is what they make off sports. Yeah, this is just strictly like their net income. Yeah, I mean that's not surprising. Georgia's pretty. I mean they're obviously really good at football, and they're pretty. They've been really good at baseball this year, and then they're pretty average at the other sports. But I mean, football is a money maker anyway. So, but to counter that, um, who do you, what are the teams that you think spend the most money? Texas A&M. Yeah, Tamu. They're five. <laughs> Bama probably. It's Bama. They spent a hundred. They spent one hundred forty-seven million. South Carolina is number two with one hundred thirty. Let's go. And, and then Georgia is nine, at one thirteen. So they make the most, but they're very frugal with it. Thought that was interesting. Yeah. Also, uh, that Vandy was number eleven. National so Vandy, Vandy's just a, a spending whatever. less money than Vandy. All right. Well, boys, I guess we call it there. Thanks, anybody and everybody who's listening. Uh, we'll catch y'all on the next pod. Peace.